Welcome to the Zenove Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that help them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. The role of technology in healthcare was very evident during the last two years. Technology is not only playing a key role in reducing the cost of healthcare, but also in improving patient experience and outcomes. Today's podcast will focus on the future of healthcare digitization and its impact. I'm Pari Natarajan, CEO of Zenov. I'm your host today. It's my pleasure to introduce Girish Venkatachalaya, Chief Technology Officer at Agilon Health, as a guest for this episode. Girish has spent over two decades in data and AI in a variety of leadership roles. He has led many 500 plus person organizations, crafted data and AI strategies, transformed traditional software to cloud native SaaS offerings, incubated new products, changed processes from waterfall to agile, to name a few. Welcome to the Zeno podcast, Business Resilience Series, Girish. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you, Pari. Looking forward to this uh, conversation here. Super excited about it. So let's dive into the episode and hear more from him. Girish, U.S. healthcare spends over $4 trillion. That is almost 20% of the country's GDP. Even after spending that much money, U.S. healthcare seems to be lagging behind many of the other OPEC nations in healthcare delivery. What are some of the key challenges faced by the healthcare industry? Well, that, that's a loaded question. I, I think one of the introduction points you made is about patient experience, right? So, so I think probably the, the biggest challenge about U.S. healthcare is really in the title, right? It didn't focus on health care or caring for health, right? So uh, probably the biggest is that, you know, uh, patients and consumers of healthcare feel like they are somewhat underserved, right? So that's probably the number one thing is that we spend a lot and yet, uh, you know, in terms of the overall wellness uh, of a population, it seems to still be lagging behind as you rightly pointed out. Probably the second big biggest challenge is that the fixes that people have tried uh, to make this to where the patient experience is better, the wellness is better, have largely caused a lot of administrative overhead and that is putting an incredible burden on physicians who are then, you know, getting crushed under that load, right? So the manifestation of that is actually making things worse, right? Third, technology, as you rightly said, uh, can be a real answer uh, to these challenges. U.S. healthcare has been notoriously slow in adopting te technology, right? Um, it shocks me on how many physician offices I go to where the center crown jewel of the office is actually a fax machine. Um, I have a 17-year-old son who cannot recognize a fax machine if it bit him on the nose. And yet, that is the centerpiece of what you will see in a physician's office, even today. Right? So there are many, many challenges, but certainly um, those are probably the few that I would call out. And there has been enormous progress on digitization across the industry in the last two years. Right? What are some of the top innovations in healthcare now, apart from the well-known innovations in vaccine development over the last few years, telehealth, and some of the challenges you spoke about, and how, are there efforts to address the challenges? Yes, certainly there has been numerous, numerous attempts, right? And um, if anything, 
healthcare startups is now a thriving ecosystem. Probably the largest set of VC investment is going in the healthcare space. Now we are starting to see AI really take off, right? So there has been a lot of talk around technology not being impactful in healthcare. But over the last, I'll say three years, uh, you've seen a lot of AI driven medical interventions actually bearing fruit where FDA is approving you know, things uh, that are AI driven and 100% AI driven, right? Whether it's detecting something from an ophthalmology standpoint or all the way to mental health issues or, you know, any number of those, you're seeing actually where the entire protocol is technology-based, which has never existed ever before in our history, right? And FDA approving it is a non-trivial thing, right? So as much uh, as technology is being impactful in just about everything and like speeding up drug development, as you rightly pointed out, or analyzing a, a patient uh, genome much faster or like any number of things, technology has been impactful, but purely having a technology-driven medical intervention, I think is a new frontier that I'm supremely jazzed about. The AI is starting to play a significant role in driving that. And then one of the areas that Agilon has been focusing on is around optimizing Medicare. So it will be great to tell the audience a little bit. We have global audience. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Medicare. US spends close to a billion dollars in Medicare. Can you explain how Medicare works and what key challenges face the Medicare? I think it's close to a trillion dollars plus. So it's probably one of the largest spends that the US government has um, outside of uh, pure military uh, spending. Medicare, the, the way it works is that any US citizen or a permanent resident over 65 is eligible for health care that is largely covered by the US government. Right. So in general, you know, think of it as a, as a 65 plus healthcare plan. Nearly everything is subsidized by the government or entirely free by the government. Right. So, so Medicare in general was traditionally what was considered a fee for service. Right. So where people come in for a particular procedure or a treatment or an episode and they get treated for that, they get reimbursed uh, or the claim would get paid out for it and the physician would get compensated or any number of providers would get compensated based on the volume that they drove, right? And consequently, what happened in Medicare was that there was almost an increased use or an abuse of the system even, right? Where because it was completely transaction-based, there was more drivers for driving more transactions, Right. So if I was having like diabetes, the doctor made more money, the more complications I have and the more times I came in. Right. Um, so it was a bit of a perverse system. So Medicare Advantage or what was called as value based care was born out of the notion that what really matters is making sure that the diabetic patient stays well throughout the year, not so much how many times that the person comes in. So the notion of value-based care is that there is a calibration of a person's wellness at the start of the year. And by the end of the year, their wellness uh, along those um, you know, 85 plus measures has to improve. And then equally important is that the patient satisfaction has to also improve or be at a certain you know, threshold for the physician to get paid. Right? It then changes the contour of how medicine is practiced in that the physician now entirely focuses on keeping the person healthy and keeping the person out of the hospital and avoiding unnecessary spend. So that's really where Medicare Advantage comes in. 
And it's a new program where more and more the government is pushing people to adopt that because it's truly coming back to the point of caring for the health. That is really that thesis. And, and moving from a transactional Medicare system to Medicare Advantage, right, which is more value-based care, which means the whole system has to change. It's just and the business model of how the physicians work and, and how they get paid. All of them will have to completely change. Their internal systems have to change. How easy or difficult is this transition? In just about every way, it is both difficult and like with any transition, it is non-trivial. Probably also why Agilon Health is a sweet spot here is that we are able to help flip that switch, if you will, for physicians. The first thing one has to do is compute what is called as a burden of illness. Right. For example, Pari as a patient, longitudinally, all of the, the chronic conditions you have, what times you've been to the hospital and so on and so forth, it seems simple, right? But actually, I, I urge every reader to reflect on their own medical history and whether they have a complete dossier of all the things that they've experienced with healthcare. Imagine the physician has to build that. It's a non-trivial problem because the systems are so non-integrated and so diverse that this compiling what is the entire health posture of PARI is actually a non-trivially hard problem. And then the physician has to take risk on that patient saying that, hey, PARI will stay well for the entire year. And if we end up costing more, then the physician has to pay out of pocket in the value-based care system, right? Um, because you're actually taking risk on that patient. So um, in just about every way, it is non-trivial for a physician. And this is where a company like Agilon can help really bring in the processes, bring in uh, fantastic information, and really uh, we take all the downside risks, right? So if a physician were to lose money on any patient, we cover the downside of it, right? Because we believe so much in our models. Very, very interesting. So you are able to take the risk on behalf of the physician. So physician is able to sign up more Medicare Advantage you know, patients into their program. So this requires, like you said, you know, you've got to integrate a lot of different systems. You've got to also predict. What is the role of technology in doing all of this and to make an Agilon business model successful? Just about every um, aspect of our company runs through technology. I'll start with the very simple thing, right? So, so what we call as a member information profile, right? Which is really about stitching together the information of the patient from across any number of cities that they've stayed in, any number of hospitals they've visited, any number of specialists they've seen, right? So we actually compile a good longitudinal view of that patient, right? Firstly, compiling that is a non-trivial data and AI problem, right? Because it is really about assimilating that information is not easy, uh, even for the best technology companies out there, right? Uh, many have tried and even failed, right? So, so it's actually a, a non-trivially hard problem. And the second is delivering that information to the physician in the point of care, right? Which means that we have to integrate with several, several EMRs across different markets and so on. Also a non-trivially complex problem, right? Because you want to get it to the physician. The third is then you want the physician to act on that information and be able to calibrate those actions and understand what is actually working, what interventions are driving the best outcome and so on. So just about every aspect of it seems on the surface very simple, has a lot of complexity to it. And technology 
and AI is the only solve for it, right? Because to triangulate that massive amount of information is non-trivial. Got it. So the AI plays a big role in terms of creating massive amount of data, integrating with so many different systems to drive it, right? So it sounds uh, pretty exciting. You need a great product and technology team to make it happen. And we are in the midst of this major talent supply constraint. And it's a global phenomenon, the great resignation. How do you compete with some of the big tech companies for talent? And you have the hyperscalers like Microsoft, Google. Then you have the, the upcoming digital native startups. You have the large companies which are transforming into a more technology company. How are you able to attract and retain high quality talent? Yeah, so we hired over 100 people last year in my team alone. I think we are doing way better than industry average in terms of retention. And so in, in every sense, we seem to be able to do that successfully in probably the toughest market any of us have experienced. Probably the biggest is our sense of purpose, right? Um, we have this deep enduring purpose to fix um, healthcare and to do it to where it is truly about bringing costs of healthcare down, which when people really understand what we do, they're supremely excited about it. This is the stuff you can talk to your children, your grandchildren, and so on. And there are very, very few companies on earth that is so focused and so consequential to our long, long-term success and long-term future, right? So that sense of purpose, I think, is one of the most attractive things, right? The second is we have amazing leaders, amazing people already on the team. And when they look at the folks on the team and they interact with them, I think that also is supremely energizing. And, you know, that also is the next point of attraction. Probably the third one is that when people do come in, is that we make that a delightful onboarding experience and the way they get going. We've seen an increased uptake in referrals and people referring their own friends to come join and so on. All of that is indicative that we probably have our culture right. We probably have the experience of onboarding really right. And finally, the, the fact that we are having less than industry average attrition shows that we are able to converge all that to actually driving outcome, which you know ultimately is the job satisfaction that keeps people. Amazing. Frictionless experience, onboarding experience, great peer group to work with, and more importantly, a purpose-driven culture, which is allowing you to you know, drive this at this time. Right? And you also have a global technology team and to drive a purpose-driven culture across different locations. That's hard. And you are an expert, Girish, in building global teams over the last 25 years. How has your approach evolved in building global teams? When you know, I started in the US and I built out the team in India, right? At that time, this is probably what 15, 20 years ago, actually India and China at that point and Brazil too, right? The thinking was really staff augmentation at that point, right? This was, you know, qu quite a few years ago, right? And so you, you augmented, you kind of still continue to operate as US as a Then I actually ended up having the opportunity of growing and uh, relocating to India and building out the team there. And at that point, the perspective is, man, we want a full ownership, more responsibility to move to India. And, and that was certainly the phase where people were trying to uh, demonstrate, right? I think today, and especially more post-COVID or through the COVID experience, you realize that talent is everywhere. And really, in the way our technology is and how we are all set up, 
is anybody can be a leader from any place and it's truly a global team and that it is more about just viewing it in a boundaryless fashion and operating in a boundaryless manner which i think is the evolution that um, i have myself gone through where you know to me now it doesn't even matter where a person's physical presence is even though we have a large team in india i don't even ever think of it as an india team or a us team or any such thing i just think of it as the team that is doing devops or the team that is doing ai or the team that is doing x and it truly is a global team right and that mindset i think is really important in that agnostic of the boundary or the region that we operate in a truly global manner it's taken a bit of an evolution for me to get to that point to be honest but i have come to appreciate it that much more now interesting a boundaryless tech organization and how do you define success for your global team so so the global team success is no different than the company success right for you because there isn't specifically a global team per se in that my team is global right so ultimately for us it is really if the team and the company is successful and we are delivering the business outcomes we set out to and we invested to to get at right almost completely and intrinsically tied to our company success just to give you some contours right we are about a 650 person organization the tech team is about 250 300 people so it's a substantial part of the company and uh, so there's really nothing that is somewhat unique about my team that is uh, distinct from the company right we sink or swim with the company and our business does well or doesn't do well um, as a consequence of all of us uh, working in the same way great great so i completely aligned to the organizational goals so wherever the team is in, the, in a boundaryless tech organization great thanks for taking the time uh, to spend with us uh, you gave a very good birds eye view on the challenges faced by the healthcare industry specifically around medicare and how agilan and your team is using technology to enable agilan business model and your culture um, being a very purpose driven organization allowing you to attract and retain high quality talent if some of your listeners are technology talent looking to work in healthcare domain i'm pretty sure they can reach out to you girish and mm-hmm. thanks for taking the time Th- thank you pari this was a fun chat I really love this thank you so much all right then th- that's all for today's episode we'll be back soon with another episode another hot topic another trail blazing leader Till then, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenove, visit our website, www.zenove.com, or drop us a note at info at zenove.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience series of the Zenove podcast.